Hey, Chuck, I heard your car broke down the other day. Did you manage to fix it? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, it cost, uh, cost a little bit of money, but um, yeah, it's back on the road. It's running pretty well. That's good. I'm pleased. Now, if it breaks down again, are you willing to put all that time, money, and energy back into it before you write it off? Hmm, that's a great question. And if I know you, Faisal, uh, sounds like you're driving this conversation someplace. Am I right? You know me all too well. Yes, I am. I am. So when it comes to cars, we're great at knowing, you know, how and when to, you know, <laughs> fix the problems or take it off the road as we speak. But why are men, right, really poor when it comes to women and relationships? Another brilliant question. I guess uh, I guess if something is broken, how do we know when to fix it or when do we leave it, right? So let's look at the five reasons why we rescue, as nice guys, broken women. Do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us today on The Nice Guy Show, where we're going to talk about the five reasons why nice guys tend to rescue broken women. Now, when we talk about broken women, one of the things that I think is essential that we clarify is like, what is a broken woman? And a broken woman is really just somebody who has a wound in her life. And we see that, we sense it, and we try to fix it. Um, sometimes these wounds can be severe, you know, somebody who's had a lot of trauma in their background. Sometimes these wounds can be, you know, not as uh, not as noticeable at first, but as nice guys, we tend to have a sixth sense on finding women that are broken. I know that's true in my life and it been in, in in my history. How about you, Faisal? Is that true for you as well? It is so true. You know, we are attracted to um, yeah. It is very sensitive to say this word, but we are attracted to damaged women. You know, women that I would say that are uh, not secure in themselves. And I find myself being attracted to them, being in relationships with them as well. And, uh, you know, it it got me. And when I first started to learn about the nice guy syndrome and why is it that we are so attracted to broken women, it all kind of made sense. Because when I started to look back at my history and then put all the pieces together together, it all made sense, the fact that I was playing out some things and replicating things in my life that I experienced in the past to now. So, Chuck, tell me, what was, who was the first person that you rescued? You put a lot of time, energy, money in rescue. The first person? Well, It seems like there's a trail of these, so it's difficult to kind of even figure out which one the first one is. But I do remember, you know, one of the things, you know, my my first wife, um, and she's a fantastic woman. You know, we get along great, and she's done a lot of work in her Mm -hmm. life. 
um, to get to where she's at. So I'm actually really proud of her. But when we first met, I didn't realize because she didn't talk about it, that she had some pretty severe trauma in her background, um, from, a, from, a childhood that was, uh, sexual abuse that had happened to her. Oh. And I think that what had happened for me was I kind of had a bit of a sixth sense on this because there was this part of her that I felt like I could fix, you know, that I could in some way rescue her. And that's really one of the things, and we'll get into that in a minute, that nice guys tend to do is we tend to be rescuers. And so I spent 20 years of a marriage trying to help her get fixed, you know, and that was always kind of the thing in our relationship was like, well, you know, if she would just, if we, if she, she could just get fixed mm. and love me the way that I want her to love me, then we would have a great relationship. But that's not the way that it went. And, um, instead we finally ended up calling it quits and, um, honestly, I think we're both better off for that. How about you? So my first girlfriend, uh, was about 18, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And it was a relationship which lasted for six years, in- incredibly uh, dysfunctional, toxic. Uh, she had a lot of issues. I mean, when I was young, I was naive. I didn't know much about psychology and human behavior, you know, because I, I worked a lot of all my time in behind computer computers and, and machine. Mm. I didn't un- really understand what was going on. And I think most people don't, I, even if they're self-aware, they don't really understand the full scope of human behavior and psychology. So I was in this relationship and she had some uh, struggles in her life. And because she had struggles in her life, I thought if I am there and present with her, those those struggles will evaporate they'll go away and then i would feel like i've accomplished something done something really uh, worthy and also it'll make our relationship much better and the more i can fix these problems in with her the better our relationship will become and the easier and smoother it'll become you know as nice guys we want an easy pain-free you know pain-free smooth life and all I was doing in, my, in that relationship was trying to figure out how to fix this, but I didn't realize the extent of her challenges that she had. And the funny thing was that mm-hmm. her mom had a psychological condition, which is the same as my mom mm-hmm. did. So that was really spooky. That was like really, like what are the chances of that? What are the chances of me getting to that relationship? Probably pretty good, seeing as how your mom you know, was your, you know, that, that sense of familiarity, which is one of the parts of attraction, you know, we are attracted to things that are familiar. So, you know, the, when, you know, when you see somebody who is similar, I often use a metaphor with, with guys, it's kind of like if you broke your leg and your leg was never set as a child and you walk with a limp and you're walking with a limp and you see somebody else and they're walking with a limp it's like all of the sudden you have something in common that mm. you can talk about you both broken people and 
that's something that happens with us nice guys oftentimes is we have our own wounding, our own brokenness. Um, and we are attracted to things that are familiar. So that happens quite a bit. Yeah. I guess if you saw someone with a broken leg, um, or similar problems, it kind of gives a sense of belonging. It feels like oh, you're not alone. You're not by yourself anymore. Yep. Exactly. The familiarity. It is. And that's actually one of the things that one of the reasons that nice guys are attended tend to be attracted to um, women that need fixing is that sense of familiarity. Some nice guys, you know, I think we grew up around people that need that emotional support, mm. um, have their own issues. Um, you know, there's just a sense of comfortableness, the familiarity that could lead them to seeking a relationship with women who need help. And um, it feels like, you know, this is just something that's known. It's a comfortable dynamic. It is, right? Because it's comfortable. I know it. So therefore, it gives that emotional feeling of certainty. And because it gives us certainty, then, you know, as as nice guys, that's one thing that we're trying to figure out is of, of trying to get is certainty, familiarity. And those feelings or those drivers make us feel safe. And because they make us feel safe, then we're more ease and relaxed. So familiarity is, is definitely one of them. So let's go through the like the five things that nice nice yeah. guys, uh, you know, why we end up, you know, with damaged women, why do we attract them? So let's have a look at number one. Reason number one is familiarity. You know, we are attracted to the things that are familiar to us. You know, it's kind of like if you've ever, uh, you know, been in a, a group situation or classroom or something like that, and you sit down, right? And then there's a break. And where do you sit when the break's over with? You come back and you sit in the exact same spot, you know? And then the next day you have the class again and you're looking around for your, you know, the spot that you sat in the day before. Oh, somebody's sitting in your spot. You know, how's that feel? It's like, oh, that's my there's spot. There's this sense of familiarity <laughs> that's happened, right? So the same thing happens for us when we're in family systems you know, where there's a sense of brokenness and, uh, you know, woundedness as humans, we're all broken and wounded at some level. And we just respond to those things that are familiar. And that's reason number one. The familiarity is so strong. It's so habitual in us. Like even when I go yoga, I always, you know, I always place my mat in the same place. This is why you see, you know, when people go on holidays, they always go like the similar, like familiar places. You know, I, I remember I was, Right. I went to Egypt and I met this guy and it was my first time there and it shocked me. I was, he said, oh, this is my 25th time. I'm like, why would you want to come to the same hotel, same location? He said, I just love it. So it's pretty strong. It's really, <laughs> it is hardwired in us. It is. It is. Um, and I think that's because it, when, when something's familiar, it feels safe. Yeah. And that's just hardwired into us to seek out safety. So number one is familiarity. Number two is rescuing mom. As children, we may see our mother struggle in life mm. and we want to, you know, we're, we're helpless, but we want to fix that. And that sounds kind of like what was going on with your first girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, because um, she had, I remember when I was very young and when my mother had problems and she had some, you know, we didn't, we had a 
good life at home, but it wasn't, it was a dis, my mom and dad didn't have a great relationship. It wasn't a very connected relationship. So she has some, um, we, we kind of enmeshed together. And because we enmeshed, what happened was I saw my mom depressed sometimes and I saw her really sad. And when you're like 10 years old and you're a young boy, all you want to do is you want to try to fix that situation. All you want to see, all I wanted to see was mom being happy. And I just tried everything, all the, you know, all the resources I had. I was like, okay, how do I make mom uh, happy? You know, I try to make her laugh. I try to get her things. I try to bring her things. I thought this would, you know, make her happy. And I'm just trying to figure out endlessly, trying to make her laugh, make her laugh, make her happy, be okay and not be upset, not be down, not be crying. And because when I failed here and unconsciously I was trying to replicate the same thing in my first relationship because I failed as a child. I'm thinking, right, okay, I have more resources. I'm older. I have money now. I, I'm more independent. And subconsciously I was trying to replicate the same thing and trying to fix her in those moments. Mm. And as you know, that's a recipe for disaster because I, you thinking mm. I can fix the situation, but that, doesn't work. Yeah, that had to be really hard for you, man. It was very difficult. It was very difficult because I just kept, all it kept on cementing was I just kept failing and failing. And all it was, was I'm just feeling like a failure. And I'm thinking, surely there's something out there, logically, there's something there that will work. So I was tirelessly trying to fix the relationship rather than exit the relationship. I was trying to fix the relationship. It'll get better. It'll get better. I remember one of the things I did was we got engaged and I thought if we get engaged, her moods will disappear. She'll become happy. She'll be satisfied in the relationship. No longer would I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. No longer would she put me down because she's got what she wanted. She wanted to get married. So, and it worked. So this was your first girlfriend? Yeah, it worked. It worked. So we got engaged. It worked for a few weeks. Uh -huh. For a few weeks, she was on Clyde 9. She was really happy. And I was like, ah, oh, this is how it's going to be. That didn't last. Yeah. And I think we can get into that routine of trying to make the woman happy. That becomes our goal, right? Because if she's, if she's not happy, then I'm not happy. Yeah. yeah. So you had a very strong experience trying to make your mom happy. So it would make sense that you know, you'd be attracted to a woman who was also difficult to make happy, but when you would make her happy, she wouldn't stay happy for long, and then you would feel like a failure yeah, again. Yeah, I didn't feel good enough. That was it. It just carried on. Yeah, and I think that that segues well into number three of one of the reasons we try to um, rescue women who have uh, some brokenness is that we crave that validation. You know, we crave the external. Like, tell me I'm okay. Let me know I'm okay. And if I can get her to feel better, mm -hmm. then I feel like I've done my job. And I get this sense of validation. Kind of goes back to the saying that we've talked about before. You know, if, if uh, mom's not happy, nobody's happy. And that sentiment is part of what really kind of creates the nice guy syndrome is that we go around seeking to fix 
women who are unhappy to make them happy. And then we get a sense of validation from that because, oh, look, nobody else was able to do this. Nobody else was able to make them you mm. know, fall in love or make them happy or make them, you know, um, not be depressed. Um, I was able to do that. I got into a lot of that as well in my first marriage because my wife was uh, very depressed and you know, I felt like it was my job to try to get her undepressed. And when she wasn't depressed, when she things were going well, I felt really good. I felt like, okay, we finally arrived. You know, now we're going to have a problem-free, smooth mm -hmm. life. That must be really hard because it's like a never-ending cycle because you think, oh, you know what, when I work on this, it's going to be okay. But then after a little while, it just goes back. And then you, you're frustrated, you're confused. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, what, what do I have to do? You know, what do I have to, you know, how do I finally fix this thing, mm. fix this relationship or fix this woman? And that's actually the way I define codependency is being in love with someone's potential. I know this person mm. could be a really great person. We could have a really great relationship, right? And so what I end up finding is I'm in love with their potential as opposed to actually being in love with them. And it's in their potential when they're in their, their potential that I'm getting that sense of validation. And when I'm being validated, that feels really great. Look at me. Um, but with the problem with giving someone the power to validate you is you inadvertently give them the power to invalidate you. You know, when you were saying that it was like, it was, I could feel my body, um, reacting to it because it was so true it's so true that you know if i if i have their perfect self in front of me and because i have the perfect self in front of me then i will feel fulfilled i will feel like everything's accomplished and that validation of like well done faisal well done chuck you achieved it you've done it and because we have nothing else in our life that we get validation from we're looking for validation in places in a relationship. That's what a lot of nice guys do because they're over-feminized. The, the central becomes the relationship and the validation, come, the sense of achievement comes from the relationship rather than themselves. Exactly. And that's the uh, reason, you know, the, the next reason nice guys... Um, tend to get in these kind of relationships is we have, we start out with some low self-esteem, you know, and by helping women who are broken, we are trying to essentially rescue ourselves because we have a sense of low self-esteem and we may believe that, uh, you know, we can only attract women who have a sense of brokenness about them, you know, that, and I, and, and typically I think the women who are broken and the reason we're attracted to them is because we're broken. They oftentimes struggle with their sense of self-esteem, you know, and like attracts like. And so if I have a low self-esteem, I'm going, you know, and that familiarity, then I'm going to be attracted to a woman who also has a sense of low self-esteem. Because the thing is, when you have low self-esteem, I mean, I had extreme 
low self-esteem. And this is one of the work I've been doing is, you know, tr- build my own confidence, being build my own self-worth. This is the stuff that I help my clients with as well, because they come to me with one thing. It's always, always clear what they always come to me is the inferiority complex. They feel inferior. They feel mm-hmm. broken. They feel lost themselves. And when they can't find that self-purpose within themselves, they always focus on the outside world. They always try to fix the things in the outside. Well, that's what a nice guy does. You know, when there's a problem, yeah, sure, I'll come and fix it. I'll help you. Sure, yes, yes, yes. He becomes a yes man. And forever, he's trying to find that self-worth in all the other places and a pat on the back, well done, mate. You've done something really good. And he feels really proud of himself. But then that bucket empties out again, right? It's never full. That that bucket empties out again. Then he'll find something else to fix. So. So true about the the low self esteem, and here, here's one thing about um, you know like attachment. Secure people do not attach to insecure people because they will have strong vetting process. They will have strong boundaries. So what I noticed was insecure people attach attach to insecure people secure people attached to most of the time sometimes their filters may be out but they're attached to secure people absolutely which is why i think it's so important to do the work on yourself to overcome the low self-esteem to overcome the need for external validation um oftentimes that's by taking a look at your family systems and where you've come from and just kind of understanding you know why you're attracted to the people that you're attracted to and that again, the like attracts like. And so as I become healthier, as I become a healthy individual, I start attracting other people who are healthy individuals, people who have done their work. Um, if I'm doing my work, then there's a better chance that people who have done their work are going to be attracted to me. And so if I'm trying to attract healthy women into my life, mm-hmm. the best thing I can do is me get healthy, you know, by hiring a coach, hiring a therapist, hiring somebody uh, that can help me work through my own past traumas, hurts, insecurities, so that I can get into a healthy relationship. Absolutely. It's so true. Doing your own work, right? Which is why do your do your work. So the last one, the fifth one, savior mm-hmm. complex, right? The white knight, right? So the white knight is someone who rescues women and it gives them a sense of purpose. It gives them a sense of accomplishment. Right? When there's no purpose, right, he makes the woman his purpose. When he has got nothing else going on in his life, I mean, you'll know, you'll see that with nice guys. There's, there's nothing like dramatic going on in their life or something significant. When they have no purpose, the relationship becomes everything. It becomes a focus. And they talk about the relationship all the time. They are monitoring the relationship all the time. They're, they're consumed and overthinking about the relationship all the time. And this was me. When I had no greater purpose beyond myself, the relationship was all I thought about. Absolutely. I can relate to that 100%. You know, nice guys tend to make the woman and the relationship the emotional center of their universe you know, that we get obsessive. We don't think about anything else. You know, we just kind of crave that 
attention. We crave that. And, and so I think there's a sense of if I can rescue her, and this goes back to kind of, this is, this is actually the covert contract. Um, the covert contract is I will rescue you. And in return, you'll be so grateful that you'll give me the love that I've always wanted. Yes. And so we find women who we see that are in trouble or something like that. You know, oftentimes uh, nice guys will be attracted to women who, you know, maybe don't have, uh, you know, their financial stuff in order. Maybe they've got, you know, they're single moms. Um, maybe they're, you know, they come from abusive relationships and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that, you know, those women aren't worthy of relationships, but when a woman is wounded and she works on herself and I work on myself, then the relationship or, or, or her, she's not the central theme in my mm -hmm. life. She's part of my life, but I've figured out my purpose. I figured out why I'm here, what I'm doing, you know, what, what's my, what's my mission in life. And the woman doesn't want to be the mission. You know, she doesn't want to be no way. the thing. And in fact, I think that turns women off is when they sense the fact that, you know, we're trying to fix them or we're trying to make them into the version of them that, that we want. Exactly. And well, it never works. Well, that's the thing. The, the mission, the masculine mission is the whole world, the outside world. And so this mm -hmm. is how I, how I see it. The masculine's mission is the outside world. The feminine's mission is the glue, the relationship that brings everyone together, the, the family, the, the people. So when the guy is focusing on the, the feminine mission, she's going to get, uh, she finds that more repulsive. And she said, well, that's my mission. I'm not saying that every woman and men will think this way, but if you look at how the masculine yeah. things and the feminine things, so you can't have both missions. I remember doing this with my, with one of my lovers was I said, look, I'm focusing on the, the world, the mission. And I said, what I require in my life, what I need in my life is someone who can help me see the people side, the family side, bring that into my world. Because I don't need you to bring the same mission in my world because I have the men and women around me who are focused on that. I have the men around me who are focused on the mission. I need the things that I can't or I'm not very strong in for you to bring in. And she does that. You know, the women really bring that side into, into my life. It's just that when I remember when I was focusing so much on the relationship and she said, well, imagine going back 50,000 years ago and you're focusing on the men have started to focus on the relationship. Well, who's doing the hunting? Who's providing? Who's protecting? Who's providing protecting the tribe? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up and we will, um, but look, look, just to review, okay, the uh, five things, five reasons. One is familiarity. You know, it's something that we're used to, something that we've, um, oftentimes, uh, you know, just feels comfortable because it's familiar. And number four is like rescuing mom because we couldn't save mom. So what we'll do is we'll replicate and give ourselves another opportunity in our life to rescue mom, but through um, a girlfriend or a wife or something.
Exactly. And then three is validation. You know, we seek external validation rather than internal validation. And, and we uh, want women or the feminine to validate us so that we can have the next one, which is a higher sense of self-esteem because one of the reasons we're attracted to um, women who quote unquote need fixing is because we need fixing and we have a sense of low esteem, low sense of self-esteem. Absolutely. Broken attracts broken. So when we have low self-esteem, that's when we start to think, okay, I'm going to be worthy of love. Someone with higher self-esteem, high self-worth because they will call out our behaviors. They'll, they'll call out, they'll give us feedback that we may not want to have because if I'm broken, Oh, you're broken too. So it's, again, it kind of goes into the familiarity. And when we have the inferiority complex, because of that, then we can see, oh, someone else is broken. I'm at home. And the last one, Chuck. Last one is the white knight, the savior, savior complex, you know, that uh, we enter into this covert contract of, I will rescue you and in return you will give me the love and uh, esteem that I've been craving my entire life. So Chuck, before we go, just one thing, one thing, what's the one thing the guys can do to who are maybe rescuing women? What's the one thing that they can put into place that if they're going out, they're meeting another woman, they can stop and think about before they get into that relationship is that am I rescuing her? Am I is this a broken woman? What can they do? I think the best thing that any of us can do is to move our focus away from the relationship to ourselves and the relationship that we have with ourselves mm. and really focus on healing myself and healing the relationship I have with myself. The relationship I have with myself is the most important relationship, you know, because when the lights go off at the end of my life, the only person that's there with me in the end is me. And so if I can really focus on creating a powerful, loving, compassionate relationship with myself, yeah. then the other stuff's going to fall into place. That's perfect. But so many nice guys go the other way around. <laughs> yeah, because... We're trying yeah. to fix everybody else and we're thinking, okay, if everything else is fixed, I will be fixed too. And they're hoping that they will rescue them. And this is one of the things I see in nice guys is they always have this, somebody save me, you know, because they're saving somebody else. Yeah. Can somebody come and save me? Right. So what I say to the nice guys is no one's coming to rescue you. No one's coming to save you, right? You yeah. got to, like you said, Chuck, you got to fix the relationship you have with yourself. When I started fixing the relationship with myself, it, everything else around me changed. The, the people around me changed. It improved dramatically. So start building great habits for yourself. Start, start rescuing yourself first and then realize that you sort your house out before you sort anybody else's house out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I, I always suggest to guys like, you know, if you would do this for a woman, you need to do it for yourself. And quickly here, one of the examples, uh, this came up in one of my sessions with this uh, client and and he, he had money, so money wasn't the issue, but he was traveling and he's, he called me and, he, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm staying in this 
uh, hotel and it's kind of cheap and crappy and there's like mold in the, you know, in the, in the shower and, you know, the bed's all lumpy and stuff, but you know, it was only like 60 bucks a night or something like that. And I said, if you were traveling with a woman, would you be staying there? And he's like, no. And then I'm like, well, why would you be treating yourself less than what Mm. you would treat somebody you cared about? Like check out of that place and go check into a nice hotel, check into a place, like treat yourself well, love yourself. That's so good. That, that's so true. Set your own standard up. So he raised, he lowered his standard for himself, but he, in order to look good, to be approved, he'll have a higher standard for her. I mean, how long is he going to take that? Right. Exactly. So raise your, <laughs> right. Yeah. So raise your own standard, live. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I found that has given me a lot of fulfillment in my life is raising my own standard, raising my own habits, having that in myself mm-hmm. that you know, when we start to work our own side, it starts, you start to feel a lot more stronger. I started, I've got stronger habits. And one of the things I've started to notice is when I meet women, I always take a pause before I want to fix something or offer my help or rescue something. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, if I remember, um, this girl, she put something on her Facebook. Oh, my computer's problem. I'm having this problem. I'm really stuck with it. And I was there going, oh, I can help you. Then I thought, whoa, 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 just just stop, right? Just take a deep breath mm-hmm. in. What do you need to sort out in your own life right now, which is a priority, then trying to rescue you know, someone that you don't know that well. So just take a pause. Yeah. Take a pause. That's another, that's another great thing that you can apply to yourself right now is, is take a pause. Just hold on. Don't. Don't make any decisions until you've kind of sorted out for yourself. What are your motivations? I love that. And and sometimes when we try to fix people, and and this happened to me in um, some of my relationships. And I remember Dr. Glover said this as well, that if you try to, if you fix everybody all the time, you will not, you will rob them of their opportunity to have insight and learn the lessons. And the same thing with Mm -hmm. my kids. I have to, I have to remember, like, let them solve their problems if they don't burn, they will never learn. Right? So I'm like, you <laughs> so make true. the mistakes too, so, so you can learn. Because when I made st- mistakes and I screwed up a lot, I had to learn. So I'm, I noticed I was rescuing my kids too. I have to take a step back and I'm like, okay, what can they learn? I'll guide them as best as I can, but let them burn mm-hmm. so they can learn. Now, there might be some guys out there listening to this and they realize that they're in a relationship with a woman that they've rescued. And they're wondering if they should stay in the relationship or they should break up. And maybe that would be a good topic for our next episode. Yeah. So should you stay? Should I stay with her? Should you go? Right. So should I break up with her? So let's have the five signs of whether you should stay or not go. So we'll talk about this in the next week's podcast. All right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.